They were first brought to the Americas by Spanish conquistadors in the 16th century. Pedro de Mendoza introduced them to the Argentinian Pampas or Prairies when he founded the city of Buenos Aires in 1536. They are embedded in the region's history and are also playing big roles in current times. Today on the America's Now podcast, we'll talk about the amazing Argentinian horses and their link to groundbreaking science. Hi, everyone. I'm Elaine Reyes in Washington, D.C., and this is the America's Now podcast. Today, we are talking with Argentina-based correspondent Joel Richards, who is currently in the capital city of Buenos Aires. Joel, how are you doing? And welcome to the show. Hi, Elaine. Great to speak to you. Yeah, you know, we've got our second wave up and running here, but otherwise, you know, we're all keeping well and uh, really excited to look back at this story. Well, this year you reported on two stories for America's Now that were pretty unique. The first one was about how Argentina dominates the sport of polo worldwide, in part because scientists developed a technique to clone horses. So the best horses in the history of the sport have been replicated in labs in Argentina. Tell us more about that. Sure, this is a fascinating development and one that really combines a number of people or if you like, key players. You've got the sport of polo, which is the sport of the elite. It's a sport that Argentina really exceeds in. And it has a number of the top players in the world, really. And one of them is a man called Adolfo Cambiaso. He's football is one of the sports that Argentina also really excels in. But Cambiaso is the Maradona and the Messi of polo, if you like. He's won all the competitions. His team, La Dolfina, always is one of the winners or of one of the competitions in polo. And, you know, he always talked about, obviously, for polo players, the horses are the integral part of um, a huge part of their success. And he always talked about how how he was his performance would be affected by the horse he was on and how and he was very sad when one of his horses uh, had to be put down because of a, a, a broke its leg. So that forced him and that moves him into conversations that few people in the world were having, which was this idea of would it be possible to clone horses? So he began conversations and work with labs in the United States. But at the same time, then in Argentina, there was work amongst a group of scientists moving along. One was Daniel Salamone. He cloned the first horse in 2010 in Argentina. And one of his students was called Gabriel Vicera, who then took that technology and that know-how, and he took it into the commercial arena. And he formed a partnership with Daniel Sammartino, the owner of Cadon, and they set up a horse cloning company. They have their offices and stables outside the city of Buenos Aires. And this is a company that has developed 100% its own technology and is really now one of the largest companies working horse cloning in the world. And they're having remarkable success in terms of the health of the animals they are producing. And also remarkable success has to be said in the economics. They're exporting around the world and really one of the, the main players in this uh, innovative and fascinating new uh, area of science, which is uh, the cloning of horses. This is Daniel San Martino, founder of the Chiron Lab, devoted to the cloning of horses. We are probably the largest breeder in the world that is breeding with clones. We achieved almost 100% of healthy newborns, which was quite a challenge because until that moment about 50% of the clones were health, health viable. 
Well, you said it fascinating because, uh, you know, just the thought of cloning an elite athlete. So could you tell the difference when you first saw a cloned horse? Do they look uh, exactly the same as the ones that weren't? or And are they really the same? I mean, obviously, I have a very untrained eye when it comes to horses. Um, and to my eye, it was impossible to tell. We were, we were shown two young clones uh, when we were visited their stables, as I said, outside Buenos Aires. And there was a small marking on the leg of one of the, one of the horses. They had the same frame, the same look, the same... Uh, and to all intents and purposes, they're, they're exactly the same animal. And it's astonishing to look at them and think that amongst the clones that, that this company is working with, there are horses that were used and, and played in the 1980s, and they've brought them back. It's, it's just it's an astonishing thing to, to see. But no, as I said, to, to an untrained eye, there's, there's no difference amongst the clones. One of the issues you talked about in your story is the ethical dilemma in all of this. Is this fair? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, what we're talking about is straight out of science fiction, right? Cloning animals. In sport, you often have this debate, don't you? How would greats from the past compare to those playing in the current day? So in football, how would Pele match up against Maradona? How would Maradona compare against Messi? Well, cloning gives us that opportunity to do. If they've got the genetics of animals that are no longer with us, but they can bring them, literally bring them back to life. And obviously this has resistance. There are people in the sport of polo. There are teams who are, who compete against the likes of Adolfo Cambiasso who refuse to use clones. They they stick to the, uh, the traditional methods and they don't go down this route of using science. We spoke to one breeder here as well who has a very boutique breeding company and he said, there's also the doubt and the question about the, the health of these animals down the line. We are in uncharted territory here, but there are those who swear by it and say it's, it's completely safe and there's no problem there. There's also the issue, uh, Elaine, of genetic editing. So Cadon, the company that is working on these clones, says they are already able to genetically edit animals. And they say it's something that could be naturally done over the course of a number of generations of horses, but they already have the technology to, to fast forward and do that immediately. They're not currently allowed to do that, but this is one of these debates that will and is taking place as we speak and will be ongoing because it is obviously a, it's a big step. It's a big step in, in the sport. Right. Uh, a moment ago, you touched on the business aspect of all of this, the market for cloned horses and the costs of cloning. How lucrative is this? It's extremely lucrative. Remember, polo is one of the sports of, of the elite, of the upper classes. It's an expensive sport to take part in. Horses cost upwards of tens of thousands of dollars. And then when you consider that cloning companies are offering some of the best horses in the history of the sport, they can fetch in the region of hundreds of thousands of dollars. So perhaps the volume isn't huge, but the, the numbers involved are very high. And we have the Middle East market in particular opening up for them. Of course, they're also looking towards the Chinese market, the growing interest there in polo. But around the world, there is a, a gradual movement and the sport is growing. And what companies who provide these cloned horses offer is simply a step up, if you like, a, a step forward in terms of being guaranteed to be playing with the very best horses available. So that being said, are these cloned horses winning? It's a really interesting question. And and the answer really is no, because despite the fact that they are biologically the same animal, well, from when they're born to the age of being able to compete in a polo match, 
a lot happens. They can get injured, their upbringing, their nutrition. So there are a number of factors that are going on. But but again, essentially, you know that you're starting from the very best quality, the, the quality of the genetics is not in doubt. So that's taking out the risk, perhaps, of breeding and bringing up a first-class player, a horse that can compete in the very highest level in polo. So it's not a definite, but it's a, it's a pretty good guarantee. Joel, at the beginning of the pandemic, you brought us a story of using horse plasma to treat COVID-19. Explain to us, if you can, how how did this all happen and, and how did it come about? Sure. So this is using a, a technique called convalescent plasma, uh, where antibodies are injected into somebody suffering an illness. And it's a, a technique that has been used for many different diseases in the past, and also in particular with snake and scorpion bites. And there's a company in Argentina that has long been exporting horse serum to treat snake and scorpion bites. So it's this same company in Munova. Uh, in Argentina, that started looking then into using a similar technique. With COVID, of course, it would be taking antibodies from someone, a patient who has recovered from COVID, and then using those to help somebody recover from the effect. So as I said, it's a therapy that was already being used, and it's working on on a, a fairly simple basis, that horses have between six and seven times more volume of blood than humans. And this company discovered that injecting COVID protein into horses, they would generate a huge number of antibodies that were up to 100 times stronger than the antibodies formed by human and patients who have recovered from COVID. So so that's the idea. Obviously, it had to go through all of the various processes of testing and approval and so on. But the idea was this of convalescent plasma as essentially a plan B to vaccination, a way of dealing with those people who, are, who have caught the illness and the disease um, but, but trying to palliate those those effects. So what kind of horses are they using in this process? Well, this is where, Elaine, in all honesty, there's, there's a, it's not shrouded in secrecy, but there's not a huge amount of information. We're assuming these are Criollo horses, the horses native to Argentina. Um, we weren't allowed to, to film and to go and see the installations, but of course all the assurances were there that they are well treated and, and what have you. But again, this is a, a company that had been working with these horses and in this technology and this therapy for different diseases in the past. And, and so simply they've translated that to work with COVID. And they say the effects really have been have been excellent in terms of helping people recover quickly from uh, from from COVID-19. And, and where does that stand right now? I mean, it sounds like they've already been treating patients with it or are they planning to roll this out on a larger scale? That's right. It was approved in Argentina in January of this year. Uh, they ran a trial with about 240 people. In fact, one of the people on that trial was uh, a good friend of my partner. Uh, she was asthmatic. She caught COVID and she was taken to hospital, but really as a precaution, but she was quite ill. And she was invited to take part in this trial. Of course, she didn't know if she was going to be one of those receiving the placebo or not. But anyway, so it was a, a small trial, if you like. They found uh, the results were a 45% reduction in mortality, a 24% reduction in those needing intensive care, and a 36% reduction in requiring oxygen. So we're not talking about something that is a a major game changer, but we are talking about something that has been shown to help a a huge number of people get better quickly. All right, good stuff uh, from Joel Richards. Joel, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for joining us on the America's Now podcast. To listen to the first full season of the America's Now podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
Just search for America's Now CGTN America. Our executive producer is Jose Velasquez. Our sound editor is Caroline Allnut. And our copy editor is Joe Zarenko. The head of the Features Unit is Umberto Duran. And I am Elaine Reyes in Washington, D.C.